Hello, welcome to the podcast of First Church. I'm glad you could join us. This message is from our Sunday of Sacrifice, and it was preached by Randy Keyes. It was a great word where Randy Keyes preached the message titled, Building the Bride. It was an incredible word, and we had a great Sunday of Sacrifice, and so I pray that you're blessed again by this message today. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Why? I just want to get out of the way and let the Holy Ghost do, complete what he has already started in this service this morning. How many sense a special presence of God in this house today? Today, amen. And I, I've just been sitting over there, standing over there, just absorbing and enjoying the good presence of God and the sense that God's hand is upon your leadership, your great pastor and wife, amen, brother, Pastor Tim Wisnett and his dear wife, we have known her entire life, and uh, they're, they're is strong evidence that God's special, unique blessing is upon his life, not only to do good things, great things here in this church and in this city, but around the world. Thank God for the vision. Thank God for the vision that is in his heart carries it with him every day. You can't talk to him. You can't even talk about going fishing for very long until he starts talking about missions and what, what this church is doing and what you all are doing. He, he's so very thankful and I say Holy Ghost proud. He's proud of this church and what you are doing around the world and I I just, uh, I'm not as young as I used to be. I don't know how that works exactly. But 71's in the rearview mirror. Uh, I just woke up one day and I don't, I like you, brother. You understand. Amen. He understands. Y'all are just so excited and acting young and vibrant. And you're going to wake up one day and 71 is going to be in your rearview mirror. And you're going to wonder, how did I get to the place that I am? But it happens. And so if you listen to one of those tapes he's talking about uh, in the 90s, just add on however many years ago that is. It's got to be more than 22 years ago. And something happened in those 22 years. I don't speak as quickly as... I listen to myself and some of those tapes sometimes. Once in a while, Sister Key strongly discourages it because I get discouraged. That's not my take. Who is that? You, exactly. Who is that? Amen. But life is what it is, and uh, we do our best for God in whatever phase we are in in life. And some phases, uh, you feel more affected than you do in other phases. But you do your best. If you're a young person and you're thinking, my, uh, if I could be just a little older, people would respect me more and I could do more, I would be more effective. Well, just do the best you can where you are. When you get a little older, 
Son, you're doing a great job. You, that was you singing today, wasn't it? You did a great job today. But I'm telling you, when you get just a little further down the road of life, you're going to be powerful in the kingdom. More powerful than you feel like you are right now. Amen. And you do the best you can in whatever phase you're in. I just want to commend you as a church. I want to hurry here because the most important part of this service is yet to come. Very often the most important part of the service is the preaching of God's word. But today the most important part is your response and your giving. And there's no telling how many thousands, dare I say millions, that will be impacted by what happens in this service today. And by your reaction to the Word of God and to the move of God's Spirit. That's the most important part, is your response today. Amen. But I am I'm just so thrilled. This is so commendable that you are taking an active part in the evangelization of these countries. And I just quoted a scripture to your pastor before the service, and uh, I told him, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom shall go into all the world, and then the end will come. And don't let anybody tell you that that gospel that he was talking about was another gospel. That gospel is the one we're preaching. It's the everlasting gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. The eternal kingdom of God. And thank God for kingdom-minded church. That gospel of the kingdom shall go into all the world. Repent, be baptized in the lovely, wonderful, powerful name of Jesus for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That gospel, that gospel, born again of the water and of the Spirit. Jesus, Jesus said it. Jesus said it. He said it's going to go into all the world. How's that going to happen? It's going to happen by churches everywhere doing their very best to reach as much of the kingdom as they can. And that's what's evidenced here in this church. And I commend you so much. I better hurry here. Uh, I'm going to read my text from the book of Exodus. So much I need to say up front, but like I said, that's not the important part of the service. And I need we need to hurry and get to the point in the service that you respond. Exodus chapter 35, verse number 1. And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said unto them, These are the words which the Lord hath commanded that ye should do them. Now, if God is commanding for us to do something, set up and take notice because that's something we need to do. Well, what is it that he said? Six days shall work be done, but on the Sabbath day there shall be to you a holy day, a Sabbath of rest unto the Lord. Thank God we know what our rest is in this New Testament time. We live every day in the Sabbath of the rest of the Holy Ghost. The rest of the Lord. Whosoever doeth work therein shall be put to death. He shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. And Moses spake unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take notice. This is the thing that the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord. 
whosoever is of a willing heart, I want to be in that number. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord. Gold, silver, brass. And then he goes on and he names so many other things that can be used in the construction of the tabernacle. And says, bring them. Bring them. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let them bring it unto the Lord. I'm going to try to speak to you for a little while today on building the bride. Building the bride. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the wonderful measure of your spirit that we have felt in this service from the very beginning unto now. And I pray, O oh Lord, I stand here, your humble servant. I cannot do anything without your unction, your help, and your anointing. I pray that you will, you will put your words and thoughts in my mind, put them in my mouth. Allow me to speak what you would have to say to your people today. And I ask you this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you just praise God for a moment? Would you just praise God here? Lift your voice. Clap your hands. Come on, let's, let's give God a great, big, wonderful praise today. He is worthy. He is worthy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Shout hallelujah. You may be seated. God bless you. Amen. On the occasion of our text today, our God was in a building program. He called the building program. It, it was his. It was directed by him. And our God is normally in a building program. From, from the very first that we see of our God in the Scripture, he's building heavens and he's making worlds and he's speaking planets into orbit and pretty soon he, he makes creation and living creatures Finally, he even makes man. He is continually creating or building. And as we progress through the Word of God, we go beyond where we have read to you from today, and we go even to the New Testament, and there God is building. And beyond what we see in our New Testament, our God is building, I believe. I don't think he stops when the church is raptured. But I believe this building program that he has been in from before our beginning, he will continue to be in forever and ever and ever and ever. The best part of your participation in the kingdom of God is not the here and now. This is good. This is great. This is glorious. But beyond the here and the now, beyond the rapture of the church, beyond the marriage supper of the Lamb, beyond that great gathering in the heavens of the righteous dead and the righteous living, and we all come together to bow and worship at the feet of the Lamb of God. Beyond that time, the kingdom of God will continue, and it will continue to grow. It will continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger forever. And the best part of it is we're going to be in the big middle of it all. We're going to be a part of the work of God, the work of the kingdom forever and ever and ever. It's not just a little parenthesis of time. We are going to be involved in the work of God forever. Everybody shout forever. Amen. And so... God was in a building program at this particular time in his relationship with man. He had just called Israel out. He had called Moses from the burning bush. 
He had sent him back to Egypt. Moses preached the message of deliverance. It took it took God sending plagues upon the land of Egypt before the Pharaoh would relent and allow Israel to leave. But eventually, eventually the plagues grew more intense and more intense and more intense until Pharaoh came to the place that he said, get them out of here, Moses, get those people out of here. They're bringing nothing but tragedy and sorrow and and pain upon on my people and upon the land of Egypt. And so Moses didn't hesitate it. He didn't hesitate. That very evening, he called Israel and they began their journey out of the land of Egypt. God worked miracle after miracle and I could take time today and preach about them, but we, we're not going to take any more time than is necessary. And he, he took the children of Israel out of Egypt. He, God decided there must be a place and there must be a, a fashion in which my people worship me because this thing is not complete. This thing is, is, is not going to work unless there is a place and there is a pattern from which my people can learn and know where and how to worship me. And so God said, I'm going to call you to the top of a mountain. I'm going to take you up to the top of Mount Sinai and I'm going to give you the laws and I'm going to give you the commandments and I'm going to show you how my people ought to live and I'm going to tell you how they ought to worship and how life uh, living for God ought to be like. And so he was there. He ascended to the top of the mountain he was in the presence of God. Can you imagine to be in that number, in that host, and look to yonder mountain and see the evidence of the glory of God and know that your leader, your God-called leader, is up there in the middle of God's presence and he's communing with God and God's talking to him about what I need to hear. I am so anxious for him to come back down and tell us what God said. But after the first day, Moses didn't come down. And after the second day, he didn't come down. And after the first week, he didn't come down. And it was week upon week. Time passed by. And Israel assumed that Moses got up there and liked being in the presence of God so much that he was not going to come down. So good to be with you, Brother Mendoza. I'm thrilled about what God's doing in Ecuador. Amen. Amen. And Moses stayed. Some carnal people in the host of Israel decided, well, if, if we're not going to get our plan for how to worship, if God's not going to send down his plan in the hand of Moses for what we are supposed to do in our life for God, our living for God, then we, uh, we're, we're going to just do it on our own. And so Moses is on top of the mountain. He hears a strange noise. And Joshua says to Moses, he said, that's a strange noise, and it's not right. It doesn't feel good. We need to go see what's going on. When he descended from the mountain, he saw an abomination. Israel had taken their worship and their living for God in their own hands, and they had devised in their own mind how it ought to be. There is no telling. There is no telling what was involved in the worship of the golden calf. I'm sure that it was debauchery. I'm sure that it was sinful. I'm sure that it was evil. 
I'm sure that they were fulfilling the lust of the flesh and had worked it into their so-called worship unto God. And, and when, when Moses saw it, he was made angry and God was angry. God said to Moses, he said, step aside. I'm going to destroy all of them and I'll raise up from you and Joshua another people and they'll be true to me. Moses being a true man of God, he loved the people of God. And so he interceded to the Lord. He said, God, give them a chance. Just give them a chance to make a decision. Just give them one more opportunity. God said, okay, one more chance. Moses steps down. The glory of God is upon his face. Can you imagine him having been there for those many weeks in the presence of God and the glory of God is upon his countenance and, and he step away. All that's on the Lord's side, step over here. They didn't know what was about to happen, but I'm telling you, if you hear from the man of God and he says, step over here, do it as fast as you can. Do it as quickly as you can. No questions asked. If the man of God says all that's on the Lord's side, step over here, see if you can be the first one to get over here. I want God, I want Moses, I want my spiritual leader, I want everybody to know I am on the Lord's side. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the Lord's side. Satan, I'm not on your side. World, I'm not on your side. Evil, I'm not on your side. I am on the Lord's side. Shout it with me. I am on the Lord's side. Say it to your neighbor. I am on the Lord's side. Hallelujah. Can you imagine after Moses come back with his face shining like that of an angel, speaking like the oracle of God, saying all that's on the Lord's side, step over here. A lot of them didn't. A lot of them did not. Can you imagine? A lot of them looked towards the golden calf they remembered the good time they were having. They thought of the fulfilling of the lust of the flesh that was involved, and, and they were attracted to it, and so they, they just stayed where they were. And Moses said to the Levites, get your swords in your hand and go through the host of Israel. 3,000 men were killed and slaughtered by the swords of the Levites. They died that day in the host of Israel. Now, after that happens, I would be in total reverence if I was one of the fortunate ones to have stepped over on the Lord's side. Listen, I'm standing in total reverence. Moses says, I'm gonna go back up that mountain now and I'm gonna come back, but you better wait until I come back with the word of the Lord. You better wait. I, I'd say, Moses, you don't have to worry about me. I see the blood of those evil servants on the ground all around it. You don't have to worry about me. I'll, I'll be right here when you come back down that mountain, and I will be anxious to hear what it is that God has to say. That is the mindset that Israel must have had when Moses went up to the top of the mountain the second time. He went. The tables of stone were renewed. The plan for the building of the tabernacle was completed. And Moses then comes back down the mountain. When he comes back down the mountain the second time, what would you be doing? 
would you be doing? I'd be getting up every morning to see if Moses is coming back today. All day long, I'd be looking up to the top of the mountain and wondering, is Moses coming back down today? Because when he comes back down, he, he's not going to have to say twice. He doesn't have to do more than hint for me to step over on the Lord's side. In fact, I think I'll tell him before he sets foot on the base of the mountain, Moses, I'm on the Lord's side. Just want you to know today, I've been on the Lord's side since you were here last, and I'm still on the Lord's side, and I'm not changing. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the Lord's side. Amen. Moses comes down from the mountain. Everybody waits anxiously. I'm sure you could have heard a pin drop. He comes back down the mountain, and everybody's waiting. You got to understand, thousands of people. You know what happened the last time he came down? Thousands of people are waiting in great reverence. What's Moses going to say this time? So Moses comes down. It's quiet. Anticipation. What's Moses got to say? He said, okay, these are the words of the Lord. This is what he commanded saying. This is just like a preacher. This is just like a preacher. A God-called preacher. A God-called preacher. This, this is what he would do. He comes down from the mountain and says, this is what the Lord said to do. It's time to take an offering. <laughs> up front, God told me to come down here and take up an offering. He didn't say, come down and have the choir sing. He didn't say for Moses to give a pretty sermon. He didn't, he, he didn't say for the church, the body of believers to do any certain thing. He said, it's time to take an offering. Time to take an offering. When God says it's time to take an offering, take an offering. And do your very best. And you know what? We're here on this Sunday because God said it's time to take an offering. Time to take an offering. If God says take an offering, everybody ought to participate and everybody ought to do their very best. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Now let me... Let me hurry. Thank you for your help and your support. I love preaching in a church that loves preaching. I could preach all day long to you folks. <laughs> this, this old 71-year-old man, I, I, could, I could preach all day long to you folks. Now, there's some people, there's some places I'm done in 10 minutes. I like preaching to people like you. Amen. Amen. God didn't come down or send Moses down from that mountain to take an offering because he needed an offering. Let me say it one more time. There was not one thing that anybody in Israel had that God had to have. There's not one thing that you have that God has to have. If he wanted to, he could create it with a thought. If he wanted to, he could speak your very best and most valuable thing into existence with one word. He doesn't have to have anything that we have. The only reason that God says, I, 
it's time to receive an offering is because he loves you. He loves you. He doesn't have to have what you have, but he loves you. I wish you could get this revelation today. He loves you. And because he loves you, he says, sir, because I love you, amen, I'm gonna allow you to be my partner in what I'm doing in the now and in the hereafter. Come here, come here. I don't need anything you have, but because I love you, I'm gonna make you my partner. And you and I are gonna do this together. You and I are gonna do this together. The gospel's gonna go into all the world. And I can do it with a simple thought, but because I love you, I'm gonna take your hand and we're gonna do this together. We're gonna do it together, amen. You're going to be my partner. Somebody ought to rejoice. Somebody ought to rejoice because your good God is saying to you on this day, I'm gonna make you my partner. Clap your hands to the Lord. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise, give him praise, give him praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. He didn't have to have anything that Israel had. The only reason he asked them for this offering on this day was because he loved them and he wanted them to be allowed to be a part of the glorious, wonderful, the grandest thing on earth that's taking place. He wanted to allow them to be a part. And so he said, bring an offering and I'm gonna take what you bring and I'm gonna use it to build what I need to build. Bring what you have. I'll magnify it. I'll anoint it. What you bring, I'll magnify. I'll anoint it. I'll put it in the right place at the right time, and I'll use it to accomplish my purpose in the earth. Hallelujah. I tell you, that excites me. That excites me. I don't, uh, I don't get so excited about belonging to a particular political party. You may, that's fine, that's okay, but it doesn't excite me. It doesn't excite me to belong to any kind of movement or cause that people promote in this earth. But I tell you one thing that does excite me, and it is the chance to be a part of what God is doing. It's to be a part of God's cause. God's cause. Hallelujah. God doesn't have to have anything that I have. God doesn't need anything that I have. God doesn't need it, amen. But he said, I love you, and if you want to, hurry on over here and bring me an offering, and I'll take your offering, and I'll use it, and we'll get this job done together. He didn't have to come to Israel like a beggar. Not my God. Not the God who simply by his will and word spoke the heavens and the earth into existence and caused all to be that is. Not my God. My God doesn't need it. He didn't need what they had, but he loved them. And he said, you folks stood by me when others did not. You chose me when others did not. And I love you. Amen. And we're going to be a part and we're going to do this together. I want you to know that God didn't need Joshua nor Israel to march around those walls so they would fall. I've heard some so-called scholars say, oh, it was a stomping of the feet and it was the magnification of the noise when the people shouted that caused the walls to get weak and finally they crumbled down. <laughs> no, my, my God doesn't need your shouting. My God doesn't need the... He doesn't need the stomping of your feet, amen. 
But if you'll give what you have to him, he will use it to accomplish a great victory. What a victory when those walls fell down. And Israel marching around those walls, amen, could say, we, we, shout we. We brought those walls down. God could have just done it, but we did it, amen. God and me. God and me. See, I'm God's partners. Partner, we brought the walls down. God didn't need Noah for Noah to be saved. He didn't need Noah's expertise in the building of an ark. He didn't have to have an ark to save Noah and his family. Do you realize that? God didn't have to have that ark. He could have simply raptured them. Don't you see, God's been in the rapture business for a long time. If you don't believe in the rapture, give me 10 minutes of your time, and I'll show you God's been in the rapture business for a long time. He's been rapturing people in the Old Testament. He's raptured Old Testament prophets. He, he raptured uh, men in the New Testament. Paul got raptured for a temporary rapture. He went, he said, I think I was in the third heaven, but I'm, I really don't know. It was unfamiliar territory to me, but I got raptured, amen. All through God's Bible, he's rapturing people. And you want to know something? The biggest rapture yet is just about to happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. He Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't have to have that ark to save them. He could have raptured Noah and his family. Amen. David stepped out there to meet that giant, just a youth. He was just a youth, the Bible said. And Goliath had been a warrior from his youth. He, he was a huge man. He was taller than the tops of these walls probably by several feet. He, he weighed probably 700 pounds plus, and it wasn't fat. He was a giant, a true giant. And how he came to be, and, and you, you, all can, you all can tell me. But all I know is he was a giant, and he was from a giant lineage. Amen, great big giants. And here David is out there with nothing more than a slingshot. A slingshot. Now, when I was a boy, I thought I was pretty good with a slingshot. But David had a different kind of slingshot. And I want you to know David was good at it. He was good, and he practiced often. But it doesn't matter how good he was with his slingshot. David was not capable of killing that giant. He was not capable of killing that giant. Everybody else stood back and hid. The warriors, the seasoned veteran warriors, they hid behind the rocks. They didn't want to be chosen to go fight Goliath. They were all hiding, trying to be invisible so that Saul wouldn't call on them. But here David is saying, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go fight the giant. Let me fight the giant. Amen. And Saul brushes him away and says, you're just a kid. Get out of here. I need a man of war. I need, I need a seasoned warrior. Nobody would accept the challenge. David said it again. I, let me go. Let me, let me, Saul. Here I am. See me over here. Let me, let me, let me. Saul said, oh, I'll let you go, but you got to put on my armor. And Saul was a big guy. He was head and shoulders taller than everybody else in Israel. So David, who was just a youth, he put on Saul's armor. And the Bible said he essayed to go. That means he tried to go.
He couldn't walk in Saul's armor. He couldn't move. His hands didn't get down to the ends of the sleeves. And so the Bible says he put it off and he took his sling in his hand. And here's the part I just love. I just love somebody's going to shout when I tell you. He took a sling in his hand and he ran. Now here's this huge giant just challenging every soldier in Israel. Give me a man that we might fight together. And David is saying, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Amen. And the Bible said he ran to meet the giant. While all of these big, tough soldiers are hiding behind the rocks and trying to be invisible, this, this little shepherd boy, he's, he's running, and he says, let me do it, please, let me do it, and he's running, let me get there, let me get there, let me get there, let me get there, let me get there. Why? Why was... I'll, I'll pay for that all day long. <laughs> Amen. You, you know what I mean? Yes, brother. You know what I mean? Amen. You, you want to know why he was in such a hurry? You get ready. He knew yes, sir. that God was getting ready to kill a giant. God was getting ready to kill a giant. He's not going to let that giant stand there and curse the armies of Israel. He was getting ready to kill a giant. And if I'll hurry, if I'll hurry and get out there with my little slingshot, God will take my little slingshot and he'll take my little rock and he'll put enough force behind that rock and he'll direct that rock right to the forehead of Goliath. And I can do it with God. God is going to do it with me. We're going to kill a giant together. You see, some people just have their minds manipulated by the devil. And even every time that's Preacher gets up and says, we're going to take an offering. They get a cynical look. They draw back and say, here's another preacher trying to get more money. That's the devil working on you. He's trying to keep you out of the greatest blessing you'll ever know in your lifetime. Do you want to be a part of what God's doing or not? If you don't want to be a part of it, just keep what you got and let it rot with you in your grave. But if you want to be a part of what God's doing, say, I want to get there. I want to do it. I want to be a part of it today. The devil will turn your thinking around backwards and cheat you out of the greatest blessing possible. The greatest blessing possible for man to experience. That's to be a part of what God's doing. Some people are like a flint. For God to get anything out of a flint, he's got to beat them. And when he gets it, it's just a spark. Some people, some people are like a sponge. And the only way God can get anything out of a sponge is to squeeze it. Squeeze it. And then when they, he gets it, it's just a drop. Some people who have revelation, revelation that I'm trying to preach to you today, they're like honeycomb. God doesn't have to squeeze them as it doesn't have to beat them. All God has to do is touch them. 
And if he touches them, some of the sweetest and the best they own sticks to him. They freely give it to the Lord. What a glorious day it was when that tabernacle was raised into its place for the first time. The candlesticks were put in place. The curtains were hung. The candlesticks were shining. Pure gold, candlesticks of pure gold. Candlesticks that had come from people who just had a little nugget here and a little nugget there. But they brought it that day when Moses said it's time to take an offering. They brought it and Moses took it and melted it together with somebody else's gold and somebody else's gold. And you see those beautiful candlesticks that light the way of the priest as they minister in the house of God? You see those beautiful candlesticks? My gold, my gold is in those candlesticks. I'm so glad I didn't bury it in the ground. Just keep it in the bank till I died. I'm so glad I put my gold in the candlesticks. My linen is in those curtains. Somebody else saw something else in the, and rejoiced. They rejoiced that day. Tears flowed down their cheeks as they looked upon the tabernacle raised in its place for the first time. And they rejoiced and tears came because they realized that God had taken what little bit they had because they had freely given it. It was in that beautiful house of worship. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Today's coming not too far off when we're going to all be gathered together at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's there that our Lord is going to reward those who are worthy and deserving. And he's going to call people to the front that we have never seen receive honor in this lifetime. But God knows they made an investment in his kingdom. And he's going to reward them before that, that host of righteous. I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot, but what I have, I rejoice most when it's placed in the kingdom. And that day, that day, I'm going to look around and I'm going to see faces of people I taught home Bible studies to when I was just building a home missions church. Our first church at 20 years of age, Sister Keys, 19. I'm going to see people there that I taught Bible studies to. I took my time and gave it to God. and I'm so glad I did. And I'm going to be so glad on that day. Amen. I'm going to see people in Fiji where we have evangelized extensively for decades. I'm going to see people in the Philippines. Sister, we have made great investments in the Philippines. We have churches. 
that we've built like you're building. I, I'm going to see people there, preachers, men who preach the gospel that came through that Bible college we built in Thailand. Just little humble guys, just little humble guys that came out of the, came out of the jungles. And they became educated in the word of God and the things of God. I'm going to see them there at the marriage supper. I'm going to fall on their neck. And the tears are going to flow down my cheeks and I'm going to be so glad that what I gave is not in a stock somewhere. It's not in a bond trying to accumulate. No, no. I, my best investment I ever made was in seeing people saved and seeing the kingdom advanced, seeing the tabernacle built. Amen. Those are the best investments I ever made. I'm going to be so glad that day. I'm not going to stand there and say, I wish I'd have given more. No, I'm not going to be caught in that trap. I'm going to rejoice. Hello, thank you again for joining the podcast of First Church. We're so honored that you were able to stop by and listen to this message today. Pray it was a blessing to you. I want to remind you uh, that you can get connected with us on our social media accounts by looking up First Church Woodland or First Church Vacaville, both on Facebook and Instagram. We would love to get connected with you there. Uh, Also, you can go to our website, firstchurch.app, and download our app from there and stay connected that way. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining and we'll see you in the next podcast.